1: Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk.
0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat. Joining me to look back on the Pilgrim's defeat to Cheltenham Town at the weekend are Chris Errington and Jack Ball. Hiya Chat. Good morning. Good morning. You, it's
1: just two weeks in a row we've all been together
0: now. It is, yeah. We're making a habit of this, aren't we? Well, we're making a habit of it and um, yes. unfortunately <laughs> we seem to be uh, covering the same old topics because yes. it seems to be a case of uh, déjà vu really uh, with Argyle at the moment. The performance on Saturday sounds very similar to previous ones.
2: Yeah, you're right, aren't you? Um, it's a story of not being able to take their chances and poor defending, particularly when it comes to crosses uh, into their own penalty area. Uh, it's the story of the first 10 league games of the season. Clearly going to need to improve. Just touching on both of those aspects. Uh, the attacking play, as, as Ryan Lowe says, is... is good up until the final end product. Uh, And you look at the stats. Stats can, you can sometimes make stats prove whatever you want them to. But I think it's a fairly telling one this one is that Argyle have had 50 goal attempts in the last three games. So that's the 1-0 defeat at Port Vale, the 2-2 draw at Crawley, and the 2-0 home defeat by Cheltenham. 50 goal attempts. They've had 18 on target, which is clearly nowhere near enough. I don't think they're working the goalkeeper enough and out of those 50 goal attempts they've had two goals both by a right wing back against Crawley now I don't need to tell you two or any of the listeners that is not good enough that is not going to win you games clearly not Um, so you can have as much possession as you want you can have as many goal attempts as you want but you have to put the ball in the back of there and then defensively Jack I mean I seem to spend all of my time writing about how i have just conceded a goal from across. I mean Crazy,
1: isn't it? It was happening last year under Derek Adams. I remember, you know, obviously he wasn't playing the fullback system, but I remember it must have been this time last year. We, you know, we were saying, you, you've got to stop the crosses. You're getting into the box, and it's certainly proving to be the case again this year." And there's no getting away from the fact that to not be marking men in that sort of territory is unforgivable, isn't it? And I think Ryan Lowe will definitely not be happy with that. It was a great cross, you know. It was, but the point is, he shouldn't have been left unmarked. Obviously, Josh Grant and Williamson have come in you sort of hoping that things might improve in that way, but they're still letting in really cheap goals, and it is frustrating to watch. And, you know, Chris has been to the away games recently. I've not, so I feel for Chris. Like, like you said, it's deja vu, and something's got to change. And you just hope that with, with a bit more time and a bit more work, you just sort of hope that things will improve.
2: I mean, they've got two weeks now in a row mm-hmm. with no midweek match. Yeah. So it's been a hectic start, and I do sometimes wonder how much prep work you can do during the course of a week, particularly when you're on... You know, two away games like Arbel had at yeah. Port Vale last yeah. Saturday and then Crawley. You know, how much on Tuesday, how much work are you actually going to be able to do when you're doing all that travelling and, and bits and pieces? But, um, So maybe two clear weeks will help. But Noel Canavan has, has gone out of the team because, you know, of goals being conceded from set pieces. You, you bring back Will Anderson, who I thought had a good game mm-hmm. on Saturday. I, I've, I would say that I, I'm encouraged by what I've seen from him so far. It's a small sample size. But he looks like the type of imposing centre half to play in the middle of the, the three centre backs um, that could do a could do a really good job. I, I'm encouraged by him.
1: And also in the attacking area, the two games, mm. the two last games, you know, he's looked being like piece we sort of missed maybe since Sonny Bradley yeah. left as well.
2: So he he looks good, but to be playing with three central defenders and to be conceding so many goals from crosses into the penalty area is. You know, I think the thing that
0: surprised me so much about that goal on Saturday was the space that Luke Varney had. Mm-hmm. But know, that,
2: that, was, that was poor defending, but clever, clever play from him as well. Um, I mean, Luke Varney, former Premier League striker, as Ryan Lowe mentioned in the press conference afterwards. And that's why he played at the top level, because they players who have played at that level have got that intelligence, that brain, that understanding of the game. And instead of just sort of waiting for the cross to come into the box, you, you, you see the replay... And one minute, Josh Grant looks and he's there and Varney's there and he's probably thinking, yeah, I've got this under control. But all that Luke Varney does, like any good striker, he just peels away, creates a bit of space. And the next minute he's got, what, a yard or two free space and he's, he's not going to miss a, a free header from, from that range. And you've just got to be more aware of the, the people around you. You've got to stop the cross as well. You know, there's too many, the cross, I mean, Sean Long had all day pick out who he wanted to for that cross there was no one closing him down um, is, is that one of the drawbacks of the wing backs Jack that you haven't got a full back there to, to, to try you know if because if, um, Chelton played with wing backs as well yeah. so their wing back got really well forward and there was no one there to stop the cross coming in? Is that
1: an issue? I think the difference for me, and we talked about this a little bit last week, is it, we always know an, a Ryan Lowe team's going so to see goals. That's part of the attacking football he plays. And Ooh. if you score your chances, maybe it won't Ooh. harm you as much if you can see one or two soft goals. But the difference was, I think Cheltenham were much better at getting those crosses into the box. And I know Ryan Lowe doesn't like crosses necessarily, but there were so many times, Sarsavik... Um, and, a, and a whole host of players had a chance to to cross the box into a good position and it almost looked like they weren't looking where the players were, they were and they, they always get to pick the wrong option whereas on that occasion the right option was picked and Varney was there to head it home and that's what Argyle aren't doing in the, in the attacking sense and that's what's frustrating me um, they are making chances and again it came it came last week it was the opposite way around where Mare made the run, did a good cross, and there wasn't someone in the box to, to fit it in. Those two pieces aren't gelling well together. And if they do, and you start scoring more goals, it'll take the pressure off the defence. Maybe one sloppy goal in a game won't cost you as much. But at the moment, it is. But, but, but yeah, you've got to stop the crosses coming in. And when you don't, the players, the centre back, should be marking their men. And that's really inexcusable, I think. Hmm. It's, it's stuff that
2: they're just going to have to work on and work on and work on. I mean, you've got this group of players until January. Um, so you can't make any further additions, and you're just going to have to work hard on the training ground, defending crosses, and make sure that people are, are aware of the responsibilities and what they should be doing. But for all of saying that, when you get into an actual game situation, it's different from training, and you are going to get the Luke Varneys of this world who are going to do something that you might not expect, and you've got to be able to react to that. And um, you know, it's it's not just it was Josh Grant on Saturday, mm. but let's be honest, it's been virtually all the other defenders all season so it's not a case of picking out one person collectively that Argyle defensive unit have got to defend crosses better mm. it's just you know costing them and then you know if they're winning games 3-2 we, we wouldn't be talking about it as much but because they're you know finishing is letting them down I mean Scott Flinders you know made some saves in that game I, I wouldn't have thought he made too many you know outstanding they were good saves weren't they Jack but they weren't outstanding saves they're not working the keeper. Even when they get shots on target, I don't think they're working the keeper enough.
1: That being said, I did think Cheltenham's defence was very good at blocking shots. I think they made quite a whole host of blocks, and, uh, and Argo did create a lot of chances, and they were, a lot of them were, were, were blocked before they get into the keeper. So I, mm. I'm still feeling very optimistic. I, I really am, because of the amount of chances they're creating. At some point, they surely things are going to kick into place, and I mm. hope that's just not blind optimism. I like to think I'm quite logical. And when you mention the amount of chances they've created, that's, surely that's signs of encouragement. Yeah. And you just hope, and we'll touch on injuries in a bit, if they can stop getting these injuries. And, you know, perhaps Ryan Lowe can actually pick his first choice team. which I'd, Has he been able to do that yet? Possibly Probably no. not. No, probably not. So, if, if all these little things click into place, I hope things will change. <laughs> and I'm still smiling at the moment, so hopefully things will turn <laughs> and I can carry on smiling. But... I told I said to you before this podcast I still enjoyed the game on Saturday it was a fun game to watch yes incredibly frustrating at the end but I had a good time I enjoyed it and it is more enjoyable but you can't keep not getting the results it won't Just be, it won't be enjoyable if it carries no, on going exactly. like that that's the problem
2: no, no. at some point in time you, you need to get results because yeah. people say that they want to see entertaining football and we enjoy watching attacking football and this that and the other but people fans will not enjoy seeing too many more outcomes like that on mm. Saturday um, at some point, you have to start putting some wins on the board. Mm. Well, it's interesting. Uh, Michael Duff, the Cheltenham
0: manager, was the latest to come out on Saturday and say, you know, Argyle, fantastic team. Mm. It is going to click at some point. No, I can't, I think it will click at some point as well because I can't believe Argyle are going to keep missing these chances. But you mm. made a really good point before we came on air, Chris, that I had to stop you in your tracks for because <laughs> you were like... <laughs> save well, it for the podcast. Yeah, save it <laughs> for the podcast. Well,
2: the, there is the argument that... that that Argyle will kick into place if they can clear, stay clear of injuries and the players can get a bit of confidence and they maybe get a win or two. And, and yeah, there is that. But the way they're conceding those goals, that's poor defending. It's a recurring theme, isn't it? It's a it? recurring theme. It's hmm. lots of goals being conceded from crosses into the penalty area. Now, is that bad luck? Is that something that's just going to suddenly click into place that they're going to stop conceding those goals? Or is it just that it's really poor defending? And are those defenders gonna be up to the job? Now, I hope they are, of course I do, but they haven't proved to anyone this season that they are capable of defending crosses on a reliable basis. And until they do, I'm not convinced that you can just say, oh, it'll click into place at some point. You know, and it's the same with with going forward as well. You know, they're they're playing well. I mean, Danny Meyer, I thought, had an excellent game on Saturday. I mean, he definitely didn't deserve to end on a 2-0 defeat um the the attacking play, the chances he had um so I, I would perhaps excuse him from from this as well, but you know the rest of the team you know, you've got to take your chances you've got to hit the target when you're in a good position hit the target don't put it wide you're never going to score if you put it wide um but again is that going to click into place or is that just people that aren't good enough at finishing Um. ten league games in you know managers always say I'll, I'll look at the table after ten league games I won't decide anything until till 10 league games in well we're 10 games in and Argyle and Ryan knows not hidden away from it are not good enough are not ruthless enough as he says in both boxes and that's true um, so well it's interesting isn't it because you look at the, the defence and it is very
0: much the defence by Will Ameson, of course and, mm-hmm. and Grant, who's coming on loan, mm. but it's still the same defenders that Argyle had last year when they conceded as many goals as they did. Mm. Now, when you look in attack, mm. Ryan, uh, Ryan Taylor's coming off the bench, and he scored, what, one goal, two goals in the last
1: 18 months? That, that was, for me, I don't, I don't want to sound harsh, and I I'm not being particularly harsh because Ryan Taylor's had, it, had his good time, but when Don Telford had to come off, yeah. I sort of sensed that things might point. not go Argyle's way, because... Yeah. I don't think Ryan Taylor fits into the system particularly well. He's not I know a Ryan Lowe striker, is he? He's not fast enough. There were a few occasions where there was a loose ball and he, If he'd just been a little bit quicker, he might have got onto it. Whereas you think if Telford was still on, he would have won that ball and driven forward and gone towards goal and created a chance. And Ryan Taylor's got a role to play in, in, the, in the game. I'm just not convinced he fits Ryan Lowe's team. He ends up becoming very deep and almost like an extra midfielder at times. He holds the ball up... I, when Telford came off that was for me the turning point and unfortunately it just didn't really work and that is that is a concern for me and if Telford keeps getting these knocks and Moore keeps getting these knocks and Ruddon's now gone back, it's very it's, all of a sudden it's very Fredbear up front and that is a concern because Ryan Taylor's not been the same since he had his injuries, of course he scored a couple of goals in succession earlier in the season but I don't think anyone is convinced he's going to get a load of goals this season and that's what you're asking now who up front is going to fill that sort of Maynard position in the in the Bury team and mm. at the moment I'm not sure there is someone
2: no uh, it's it's difficult up front I mean I, I feel sorry for Dom Telford because when he's played he's looked sharp and mobile and nippy and looks like he could score goals was one p- bit of play just before he went off on Saturday where he got the ball on the halfway line and made a fantastic spin, left the Cheltenham defender trailing in his way, mm. made a good driving run, worked the ball onto his left foot, probably forced Flinders into about his best save of the afternoon um, and he thought, yeah, that's really good and he's got, the, he's got the team going forward, he's lifted the fans um, sharp, nippy mobile and then a few minutes later he's down on the ground, he's off with, uh, sounds like a hamstring injury whether it's a recurrence of one he had before or a different one not quite sure but you know that's the second time this season that he's had to go off in a game because of a hamstring problem you know so how long is that going to keep him out for and you know you bring on Ryan Taylor who's a completely different player completely different style and yeah I'd agree with Jack you just felt that the the momentum that Argyle were building up in that first half because they were you know getting on top they were you know you, you did feel that there's a goal coming here and that momentum was just, you know, uh, not because of Ryan Taylor as such, but just it changes the way mm. that Argyle were yeah. playing and, and and how their attacking play was. And it just killed that momentum. And, you know, five or ten minutes later, they're 1-0 one nil, one nil down. Uh, and then, should we just touch on the, the disallowed goal, Jack? Um, you know, what did you... Oh, I, well, well, know, yeah, we not. watched this this morning, didn't we, Jack?
1: I don't think it was a disallowed goal uh, at all. He, he had his arm up, but admittedly. There was no forward motion looking at that, I've had the chance to see replays. We, we've spoken about the fact that referees don't have to come out and ever say what they saw at the time, so God knows what the referee saw. There's, there's a debate about whether Ben was acting like he was knocked out. I think that's what a lot of people thought at one point. And at one point, he does, he does look up, talk to his man, then just drops his head down and lays very still for yeah. a period of time. Do I blame him? I think if our, our goal player did that, and it stopped Argyle from conceding. You'd be happy, wouldn't you, as an Argyle person? But I don't I, think I that think gets given harsh.
0: us a free kick outside the penalty box, does it? If, if that's a goal kick and oh. the two guys are going for a header, oh. and Ameson wins that header, I don't oh. think he concedes a free kick. Though. Well,
1: that, that 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 was a common thing. There's another incident I can't oh. remember where there's a foul. Uh, Some there's a foul in the box. Oh about two minutes later another foul not as niggly, happened oh. outside and the free kick was given and that's an age old argument in football isn't it
2: I think, I think Stu makes a good point if that's in the centre circle and, and Will Ameson goes up to win the ball from a, from Cheltenham the Cheltenham has cleared the ball he's kicked it up into the centre circle mm. Will Ameson goes up to win that header and wins that header like that nothing happens No. Um, but there does seem to be different rules in the penalty area doesn't there I don't know yeah I, I mean, why.
0: to be fair to the referee, he's looking right at it, and Ameson does have his hands on mm. on the back of the ch- on, mm. on the back of
2: Tozer. Tozer, I do think, makes the most of it and mm. probably wins, wins. I'm not the being way. I'm not keen on being yeah. fair to the referee Scott Oldham because I thought he was absolutely hopeless. We can talk yeah, about well, I, I talk about that later. I mean, let's let's it, just talk about the injuries first in this yeah. injury situation
0: yes. because you know Ryan O came down to Plymouth in the summer, mm. brought his um, S and C coach with him. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot was made of the fantastic record mm. or availability of players that he had at Berry, mm. and it's the complete opposite this year, isn't yeah. it, at Argyle?
2: Yeah, I mean Ryan Lowe's mentioned it several times. Ninety-seven seven percent availability rate. You know, not going to get anywhere near that this season. Um, they tend to be muscular injuries. You know, I'm no medical expert, Stu. I don't know about you too <laughs> uh, Definitely, but, I wouldn't be here a lot <laughs> there's a lot of medical, there's a lot of muscular injuries. So does that tell us anything about anything? And I mean, I could sit here and say, well, are they warming up properly? Are they prepared enough? Are they coming back from previous injuries too soon? But I'm not in the position of expertise to really, to say that. But my, my observation would be there's an awful lot of muscular injuries. Um, and that has to be a concern. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's and, it, you know, Brian Moore's had a couple of hamstring injuries now and he's going to be out for a while you know Don Telford has had a couple of hamstring injuries he's going to be out for a while um, Jose Baxter missed out on um, Saturday because of a, a, of a car strain it's those type of injuries and uh, it,
1: it, surely it <laughs> must be fixable there must be something to be done about it if you've got coming off the back of a 97% record you get these injuries all the time in football if you've mm. not got them at berry well, well, why have you not got them in Bury and why are you suddenly getting loads of them Argyle, it doesn't, there's got to be a way to stop it or fix it, surely. And the interesting
0: thing is that it's a lot of the new players that have come in that have been picking up the injuries as well.
2: Yes, well, people that have worked with Ryan Lowe and Co before. Barry, yeah. You know, Moore, Telford. Um, Even some with the injury, yeah. That he had. Which he, he sort of, by the sound of it, he sort of picked up really um, at the back end of last season while he was Barry. So it's, it's incredibly frustrating. It, m- it must be really difficult for Ryan Lowe because I think, as Jack said, he hasn't been able to pick probably his ideal starting mm-hmm. lineup, and uh, and you just get people back and then you lose them again and you can't build up any momentum and it's it, it's difficult i mean you, you made an interesting point about you know pitches and things like that Stu. When yeah we were, we we're talking before i mean that, I, there's got to be some sort of explanation well, for it yeah i've heard it before that mm. the soil in the west country is very mm. clay-like mm. so
0: obviously if players are training on clay-like yeah. pitches yeah then obviously it sort They're of saps cold. the energy yeah. from, from, their, from their muscles. And as I say, it is the new players that are coming in, so perhaps mm. their bodies are just not tuned in to, you know, the, the soil of the West Country, well, so to speak. I, it sounds crazy. It, it but, sounds
2: crazy, but there's got to be an explanation,
0: well, hasn't there? Possibly. And I don't know. But then, as I said to you, the interesting thing with this theory is that the, the injuries Argyle are picking up are mm. in matches, aren't they? They mm. don't seem to be occurring in, in training. And I think you made the point as well, Chris, that it's often in the first half. First half, well. yeah.
2: I mean, it's not like players are getting to like 70, 75 minutes and then getting fatigue, muscle fatigue, um, because perhaps not played too many games. Um, a lot of them are in the first half. I, I think Don Telford's have both been in the first half, Jack, yeah. this season. Yeah. Um, Joel, Joel Grant went off with a hamstring uh, injury in the first half uh, against Colchester early on in the season. I mean, those are three that immediately stick in my mind. I don't
1: know how you can remember games. It's incredible.
2: <laughs> a human encyclopedia. But the thing is, I can't remember anything important. <laughs> just ask my wife. Just, just, what's Chris's memory like? Oh, he's absolutely hopeless. He can't remember a thing. But I can remember Joel Grant getting injured in the 34th minute against Colchester.
1: Well, <laughs> maybe it's because they're tra- I mean, I, again, like Chris, I don't know how the body works. If I'd, like I said, if I did, I'd be earning a lot more money doing mm. a job like that elsewhere, but mm. maybe it's if they're training on a pitch maybe it's building up and then it, it comes to the crescendo in a game maybe well, that's the reason the
0: home park pitch of course is a synthetic surface mm. isn't it, it invested mm. a lot of money in, mm. in the pitch um, and it is probably completely different to the pitches they're training on so mm. maybe
1: I'll we'll have, we'll have to go to, as as well. to a, to a soil expert I'll have
0: try and find someone. well Ryan Lowe said he's going to be having a good look at it isn't he because he's obviously not happy with the situation he needs to
2: because this can't carry on you can't keep getting muscular injuries and particularly players coming back and then being injured within a game or two of coming back again That's, mm. you know
1: it was very interesting watching Telford when he went off he went, he stood with Ryan Lowe for some time mm. and you could and I was waiting to see what Chris would write after the game because it was because I was watching it because I know what Ryan Lowe's like with injuries he likes to talk to the player and he likes to listen to the player um, sometimes he overrules them sometimes mm. John Lucas overrules it um, but he had his arm around Telford and you could see a discussion going on and obviously Taylor was sat back down again. Mm. Is Taylor going to mm. come on? Is Telford going to be fit? And we're all hoping Telford's going to be fit. And all of a sudden, you see Telford walking off to the Lord's dressing room mm. and you think a decision's been made. And you saw Telford's head drop and the frustration you must feel. You know, he's, he had to be patient with game time last season, didn't he? Getting a lot of yeah. goals in the Johnston paint trophy. He finally has a chance to be a first team player this year and you can see the frustration but it's, it's fascinating to watch Ryan Lowe's dynamic and it was days. interesting Ryan
2: Lowe said about that conversation after the game in the press because well, it
1: was quite a noticeable amount of time and he sure. said
2: you know I, I wanted to get some answers from Dom and he couldn't really give me an yeah. answer and so Ryan Lowe is very you know safety you know safety first when it comes to injuries if if, the, if a Unless he's convinced that the player's fit enough to go back on, he's he's not going to let him carry on playing, and and that's what he's done done with Dom Telford, and that's why Dom Telford almost like walked off with the shirt over his head as he went back to the dressing room. He was so disappointed. You know, he didn't stay on the on the, yeah. the bench or anything like that. You know, he just maybe a, made a, a sad way back to the dressing room. And I, I understand his frustration. He signed for Argyle late in pre or after the start of pre season, he got a, a, an injury which meant he missed most of pre season. Then he gets in the team and looks sharp and then pulls a hamstring when he's running clear on goal in the game against Warsaw. Mm-hmm. I think it was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then I don't know, remember who it was again, he, works, but I do the he works his way back in again and yeah. then you know yeah, he's got yeah. another hit. So effective, that, effectively he's had like three injuries and
1: we're on what, September the twenty 20- and that's the sad thing, yeah. he's looks so lively before getting those injuries, he, he looks like he's creating chances and two of them have been in front of the home fans some mm. they, mm. and that must be a disappointment as well and there's a good audience there, they really starting to cheer you on because you you've made a good run on, on on Saturday you know, had that turn mm. and chance and you know, the crowd are on your side and it, I, I can't imagine what that must feel like that disappointment mm. for you know a, a second or third time, especially in front of the home fans who well, I, think really,
0: I think you hit the nail on the head as well Jack, and the fact that he was in and out of the team at Berry last season because of Nicky Maynard, I, mm. I, I guess, more than anything else. So he's come to Argyle, he probably mm. would be the main striker. He probably would be, yeah. And it's a real opportunity for, for mm. him, because he's obviously a player that's you know still young, he's not yeah. really had a, a good run of games in any, no. any particular team. And
1: Managers always say about relationships, you know, if you have two strikers, it's about the, developing yeah, the, the relationship. Yeah. The centre-backs, it's about them developing the relationship. And that's what Argyle have struggled, because they've not had any position that's been sort of solid, really. There's, even in midfield, there's been a mix of players coming in and out, and when has there been time for people to develop relationships really in The match strikers accuracy? is just
2: a revolving door. I mean, you've got about five or six strikers, and they've pretty much all played as a as a combination with one or the other during the first ten league games of the season. It's just constantly changing, and you've got to learn each other's runs and stuff, yeah. haven't you? Stri- strikers are partners, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. You know, right? yeah. Uh,
0: we had a question from, what well, yeah, a, a comment really from Richard Vaughan. Yeah. Uh, some are happy to say. It may take a season or more. I don't agree. Is if you fail to, uh, uh, sorry, if you fail in this league, you won't hold on to any of the best players. So we'll effectively have to start again the
2: following season. Would you agree? There's some truth in that. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, we've seen it with Argyle in League One. That um, you know, if you don't, if you do reasonably well, but you don't get promoted or don't achieve the ultimate success, then you are going to have your best players picked away from you. So. If Argyle are not promoted this season, which sitting here right at the moment, you know, it's gonna be a tall order for them to be promoted from the position they're in now. Um, there's every chance that the two or three best players that they've got could get picked by higher clubs. And, uh, and then I don't know if you'd start again completely, but you'd, you'd probably have to change your squad again.
1: Well, that, um, is that
2: not probably the case for, for most teams in the lower divisions? Well, the, the thing Argyle have in their advantage is the
0: players that like Ryan Lowe has brought in are going to be under contract, aren't mm-hmm. they? So if they do go, get, Argyle get will, yeah, Argyle will be mm-hmm. commanding a, a fairly hefty fee. So mm. uh, I, I'd, I'm i not sure I'd quite agree with Richard. I think there's going to be a sort of two year project that Ryan, well, I think the plan is to get out of League Two as quickly as possible. Oh, but yeah. If it did mean our go you know, don't go up this year. Looking at next season, I certainly think he'll have the squad to. Well, it might be a bit long,
1: like but what Dustin had to do at Cheltenham, you know, he, well, he, last season he struggled to keep them up after taking over in September. It took him two transfer windows to get the team flying, and now up into a and in what looked a very attractive op- you know opponent. And I think maybe next summer you might see some of the remaining Adams players leave, possibly especially in defence. I. Yep at the moment I kind of see Wooten and Canavan staying next season Tafari more. actually Smith-Brown who's out on loan yeah. will any of them still be here next year probably not and then you look at Maynard you, you, no, Maynard that's what you're thinking <laughs> Mayer who's probably under contract for another year but he's not getting any younger will he want to stay in League 2 for two years when everyone tells him and everyone says he should be playing in League 1 at least who, who knows and it depends where I got finish if they finish 14th are players that are really ambitious going to want to stay yeah. at a club like that if you finish Fourth and miss out in the playoff final, maybe. But I'm still under no illusions. Even with the start we've had, it will be disappointment with this team, with the players, with some of them, to to not be battling for promotion. I still think that Ryan Lowe didn't come here to battle for 14th place. Simon Hallett doesn't want Argyle to stay in league two. Regardless of how the next few months go, anything other than pushing for promotion still. Be seen as a disappointment in my eyes this season yeah, I think
2: it, what we're seeing though is that it's it's going to take more yeah. than maybe one transfer window to to for Ryan Lowe to get the players that can suit his style of play because if he's not prepared to change his style of play and he keeps saying he's not, he's not going he's very consistent, this this is the way we're going to play. I just don't think that squad, although it's a talented hasn't proven to us yet that they can play the way he wants them to. I don't think anyone disputes that some some very good players in that squad. At League 2 level, there are some very good players. Um, but can he mould them into a team, an effective team that can play the way he wants? Because if he's not prepared to try a different approach,
1: if things don't improve, then he's going to have to get different players in. I think the thing is, we are ten games in, but oh. the defense, the three-man defense, which I think now is possibly the strongest defense, oh. are fairly new together. Oh. I would mostly feel like it's a bit of a false start. We've not, you've not had the strikers building a partnership. Oh. The three defenders have only just started playing together, so maybe in two, maybe it's a bit unfair to know whether oh. they'll click into place yet because they've not. The team that's currently playing hasn't had a chance to really sort of develop yet. So maybe that's it. The other question I would have. Is, yeah, there's another window coming up in Christmas, but how, in January, but how many of those players, there's a big squad at the moment, that likes of Tafari more, kind of, and if they've not been playing well, who's going to want them? Are they going to want to drop down to the National League? Probably not. Are other teams in the league going to want them? They're not just going to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. So there's so many different uh, facets to, to what's going to happen, isn't yeah. there? It's a good point
2: you made about Cheltenham and Michael Duff, that he, it took him most of the last season to sort of um, get the... Cheltenham playing the way he wanted and that he had a couple of transfer windows to get people in. Talking to a couple of the guys that came down from Cheltenham and covered them, they said that their form this season started at the back end of last season. They're not totally surprised that they've started, and I think they're surprised they're doing quite as well as they are, but they could see signs towards yeah. the end of last season that things were beginning to fall into place. Now, I, I can see Argyle sort of during the course of the season, things will sort of start to sort of take shape I wonder whether they'll take shape quick enough for, for a real push this season. Uh, and it does feel a little bit like the Paul Sturrock first season you know, all those years ago where you know he brought a lot of players in, he tinkered around, uh, they ended up sort of round about mid-table ish. But when they started the following season they really kicked on and went now I hope oh, they'll go up this season, you know, and I hope they you know this they, I'm not ruling it out but with my sensible head head on I I think even after 10 league games, it's going to have to be quite a, 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 quite a big improvement, isn't it? You know, they're on t- 12 points from 10 games. They're going to need to, to pick up a bit more on that, aren't they?
1: Yeah, but they're creating the chance. I, I, mm. I'm trying not to let like the optimism... You, you are right, it's a, it's a big project. But I, I've, I, I think I'm seeing enough in games where mm. I think it can happen. Like you said, the amount of chances they're creating at some point... I mean, they've been brought to this club for a reason and I think if they can stay fit which is a big question once you get maybe the likes of Moore, Grant and Telford all playing decent minutes I think because you know before Moore's injury he had a couple mm. of games where he got a few goals and he was just starting to get sort of get somewhere and he got another injury Telford has looked the two times he's got injured he was looking promising and like he would go on to get a goal in that game whether he would have done who knows the momentum,
2: every time you feel there's a little bit of momentum just, yeah, you know, in a game or, you know, even at Crawley last week, you know, yeah. they, they played really well. They're 1-0 down. They've responded well to that, conceding and poor goal by playing really well. They've got themselves 2-1 up. They're playing some good football. You think, okay, this is going to be a good away result. They're finally going to win a game in September. <laughs> Haven't won a game in September since 2016, for are so. I mean, what's, what's do, all that do you about? Why have
1: a few weeks off to save your holiday
2: in September? Yeah. Stu, uh, I'll just go get the holiday request in for <laughs> 2020. i I've got to be on the September. September. Um, uh, they just say, okay, go win I'm the game pretty against pretty, Crawley, yeah. and then they can see the penalty completely out of the blue. They draw the game 2-2, and you come away from Crawley thinking, well, that felt like a defeat. And then, you know, Tom Telford starts the game really well. They've got a bit of momentum going, okay, he's only nil-nil. But then he goes off and then bang, momentum gone. It just feels like the, the sort of handbrake keeps getting put on the Arbel season.
0: i just go back to what you said a minute ago as well, Chris, about um, Michael Duff being at Children for a while and, you know, taking a little bit of time before they started to mm-hmm. really pick up in terms of results look at all the teams at the top of league two they've all been like that you know Mm. exeter with matt taylor Mm. crew with david artel newport with michael flynn swindon they've all been there for a bit exactly yeah Yeah, so you know might just Mm. have to be a bit of patience i I, I,
2: I think there is definitely going to need to
0: be patience the big
1: the big difference is though between the michael duff situation and ryan Lowe's. you know ryan Lowe's come in saying all the right things you know michael duff came in knowing he was up against a Mm. firefighter in that september when he first Mm. came in Whereas Ryan has come in and been quite open about the fact, don't we, we are going to get this right, we're not going to lose many games yeah. at home. And he's saying all the right things, the things mm. to, you know, gee G the fans up. But if you gee the fans up and there's the expectation from having been relegated to go up again, you're going to sense a disappointment more if you're not up there, more than what Cheltenham did under Duff when he yeah. first arrived, if that makes sense. So it's, it's that battle between expectation and, and realism, isn't it? And I think a club of goal size in League Two, you're always going to have that because they are one of the biggest sides as of Bradford in League Two.
0: Well, welcome back to the second part of the podcast, uh, chaps. Something I want to I want to chat to you both about because I've seen it for years. I'm sure you guys have as well, and that's the standard of refereeing in League Two. Now, by all accounts, Scott Oldham. I wasn't at the game on Saturday, but Scott Oldham was atrocious. It
1: was not good. I, I can't remember. Chris will remember because Human Encyclopedia. <coughs> the, ref, the, the referee we had a few couple of home games was was I thought was atrocious. There like, was a, a new guy, so you try not to be too harsh. And then Scott Oldham, he's given him a run for his money in this in this game. I thought he was an absolutely awful. The amount of niggling kicks that went on, time wasting, went, which goes goes on. The fact when there was an injury he didn't make them go off at the nearest point, which apparently you know are supposed to do now. And the fans are going up on his back. He he ruled out the goal, which I'm not I'm not sure I agree with. I think nearly every decision he made in that game was poor. I I think he was awful. And after two years in League One, he sort of. No, no, there's referee's not perfect in League One. Just ask Darren Ferguson when he was at Doncaster. <laughs> but, you know, League Two, it seems to have been really atrocious issue. And I, I, I don't know if I'm being carried away. Do you agree, Chris? What, what do you think of the Well,
2: Scott Scott has refereed lots of games in League One as well. So, mm. um, it's not just like he referees in League, League Two all the time. Um, standard, I think there's been some, some, a couple of decent referees this season and, you know, some poor ones. I think the, the standard is very mixed. That's the thing. You remember the bad ones, don't you? You do. You do. Yeah. I mean, the uh, best ones are the ones you don't notice at yeah. all, aren't they? I'm always very wary of, of criticizing referees too much when I write copy and stuff like that, because particularly after a defeat, because you know you don't want people to think, oh, they're just blaming the referee yeah. um, for their defeat. Mm. And I tried to stress in the in the the copy that I wrote over the weekend that our goal were the ones to blame for their defeat because of their poor finishing and their poor defending, but that still doesn't prevent you from making a very valid point I feel that he did not have any control of that game he didn't apply the rules of the game properly uh, the players leaving the pitch etc and things like that that like you mentioned um, Jack and I, I thought the whole sort of Danny Meyer situation was very interesting um, because you noticed it against Port Vale where they kicked him a lot and didn't really notice it against Crawley but, you know, everyone could see it on Saturday. It was targeted, cynical fouling. It was one player, then another, so they didn't get into serious trouble with the referee. The referee has to be aware of how teams are operating and uh, he didn't issue enough yellow cards. Um, he should have booked Charlie Raglan for a tackle on, on Danny Meyer, which was ridiculous. And then Charlie Braggland, because he's not booked then, can go and make cynical fouls later in the game because he's not on the yellow card he should have been in in the first mm. place. Um, I think he was he was really, really poor. One of the worst referees I've seen for quite some time. And I know that it can sound as sour grapes and this, that and the other, so I, I stress again that Arbal had... A lot of reasons to blame themselves for that defeat so
1: it wasn't scotland mark not marking absolutely but
2: you you can still say that the referee's had a shocker and hasn't done his job properly and um it was fascinating that ryan lowe said that he'd spoken to him before the game and asked him about protecting danny Mayer. now is that trying to influence the referee i don't know i don't know how other people would feel about that do you feel what do you think is that if you're a referee if you've seen your your star player almost kicked off the park at Port Vale the previous Saturday and then you go up to a referee and after is, is is he allowed to say to the referee in a polite kind way by the way ref can you keep an eye on my player well, it, today? it'd be interesting to know what
0: the referee's response yeah. to Ryan Lowe would have been hmm. but um, I can understand Ryan Lowe doing it especially his hmm. When you should say that referee a Vail, Should, should
1: he, managers he, be allowed to do that? See, I don't think so. I, I was surprised when it, when I said it was before the game. I mm. get to speak to them afterwards. Not, because the game previously to that, put the Port Vale, yes, Danny Bay might have been getting kicked left, right, and centre, but that was a different referee. I don't know if it's right. You no, know, he, he should be watching to make sure none of the players are getting kicked cynically. That's his job, is to well, manage it's, the game, referee the game. I, I
0: think there's no doubt Ryan Lowe's done it to try and gain a psychological advantage, but to me, it's no different, really, than. Players, you know, an attacking player at a corner mm. being hauled all over the place, saying to the referee, ref, watch him because mm. he's all over mate Yeah. And then next time the referee's, you know, subconsciously, it's in his head but and there's a difference he might be looking out for, for it. For me,
1: there's a difference between a player doing that on the pitch and a manager going to speak to a referee before a game. I think that's, that's, the, the, there is a difference to that. I mean, I'm not saying that Ryan Lowe, you know, he might have well had a fair point, but I was surprised by it. I d- because, as I've said, he should be doing that for every player. And yes, Danny Mayer should be kicked more, but the referee's got eyes. He will see if that's happening hmm. and should respond appropriately. So I get why he's done it, but I did find it strange. I I, I would be
2: frustrated if I was Ryan Lowe about the way that teams are adopting him with Danny Mayer. Perhaps that's not surprising. He's a good player. and, and but he is going to need some protection from referees because he got kicked from pillar to post in that first half. Mm. And for for Cheltenham to have one yellow card, I think it was at half-time, was just absolutely laughable. And how and this is the frustrating thing because we've got no idea if Scott Oldham will be censured in any way, shape or form or even be talked to by the refereeing football authorities about his performance. You know, we can sit here and debate... Um, players and this that and the other and ask the manager about players but we've got no one to ask about in authority do you think that referee had a good game you know or or is a referee's assessor and they're thinking oh he actually had quite a good game we don't know do we
0: no I think I think it's across the board Premier League all the way down there's a real issue with officiating right now and I don't think VAR's helping either no that's I just,
2: you know, I try to, you know, be balanced. Uh, so I try not to criticise referees too much. I think he was really poor. <laughs> the, you, the, know, the, you know, borderline, he was really poor. But, do I Have I got complete faith that the referee's assessor would have written in his report, yeah, really poor? No, he. it uh, wouldn't surprise me if at all if the referee's assessor saw a completely di- different game to the rest yeah. of us and thought
1: he'd, he'd done all right. I, I can't see how he could have done, but... But that's the thing. Everyone has off, off days. You know, football players, mm. managers, journalists, every, you know, everyone. Yeah. So, you know, referees are going to have bad games at times. So the frustrating thing is, even afterwards, and I'm talking maybe a couple of days after, I think it would be good if someone could go to somebody to say why why, why didn't you book people on Danny Mayer what was your logic behind it so you yeah. understand their thinking and he might come out and say something you think okay fair enough but there is no process to do that and I'm, and we've spoken about this in the podcast before haven't we I'm not saying shove referees in front of TV cameras and have everyone going for them all the time not that at all but there should be a way to get some quotes from a referee to explain decisions at times I'm not saying all the time every turn down penalty every offside but on the odd occasion I don't think there's anything wrong with media Asking for these Sort of
0: answers Yeah they're the one Area of of football That are unaccountable Really You know you don't Really hear
2: Mm. Anything from them Yeah and you don't And you don't know If anything's done Mm. You know if they've Had a really poor game And they haven't Applied the rules properly Well in our opinion They haven't done. you've got no way Of finding out If the authorities (coughs) Think they have Or they haven't Because that's the thing
1: I didn't understand About him not sending People off to the Closest touchline Because the players Were undoubtedly Shouting about it But when that happened Two or three times A game later He still wasn't doing it and why wasn't there something in his head like, oh yeah, that's the rule? He must mm. have known it, mm. but
2: wasn't enforcing it. And yeah. you, you, you get irritated by that, but Cheltenham were, were doing the gamesmanship. You yeah. know. And if your team are doing it, then it's fine, isn't it? So you, you can't bleat too much about no. gamesmanship because most... Team, you know, we talked about Ben Tozer in the first part of it. That was gamesmanship, there was nothing wrong with him. Mm. But Argyle were building up a bit of pressure, the crowd were up in arms and he laid on the ground for a minute just
1: so everything quieted down. There was nothing wrong with it. So the only advantage to a bad referee is at least it makes the atmosphere quite good. It was <laughs> when, the fan, when the fans all get going, it, it was quite enjoyable. It, but it definitely felt like the
2: pantomime and the yeah. uh,
0: the, the, the villain, yeah. Well, talking of atmospheres, I'm sure there'll be a, a good atmosphere at the end of October when I'll go head up to Exeter. Mm. Um, I just want to ask you guys about Ryan Lowe. He, mm. he spoke to, um, I think it was at the Green Taverners, wasn't it, on yep. sometime last week, mm. and he was asked about Exeter. Um, basically his reply I don't have a bleak machine so uh, yeah. he He, didn't, he wasn't really yeah. too fussed was not he? too bothered about Exeter oh. he said um, Jack I'll ask you because you're, you're a big Argyle fan is Exeter's situation and the fact that they're top of the table and, and doing as well as they are is, is it a galling thing for you as an Argyle fan and is it helping Ryan well, it's obviously not helping Ryan Lowe at all is it
1: no, it's not. I, I I love to hate Exeter. I think there's nothing better in football having a close rivalry. I wouldn't want to be it's like you know we used to work with David Monday who supports Reading and he openly says we don't have a big rival. It's a you know it's a bit bland and I I do love the Devon derbies and I know you two will speak in a minute about why you don't like <laughs> don't like them but I do love them and yeah if I don't go up and Exeter go up then that will wind me up that will really annoy me but at the moment it's it's early days and I hope Exeter fall down the league. um but I enjoy watching it. I don't like seeing Exeter scoring late goals every single week because I keep thinking they've lost, and they somehow draw. And I make my feelings very clear to people about that. Um, but I can't wait for October. I am excited. Hopefully, at, well, I say five o'clock, hopefully at three o'clock when the game's over, I'll still be happy. Um, at the moment, I'm dreading the fixture. But no, I think rivalry is good. In terms of should Rhino care about it? I get why he said it. You know, a manager shouldn't care too much about any other team really. He's got his job to do. Focus on your own team. He got a good response from the Argyle crowd. You say things to get the, the room going. Um, yeah. It, it's thinking. for the Argyle fans. You know, that, mm. you're totally right, Jake. You love to hate your rival, don't you? Yeah, and any, any fan that says they don't is, and don't get me wrong, people can't take it too far. Like I enjoy rivalry on the pitch, and that is it. You know, I don't have any. Nothing against Exeter fans. In fact, I think any football fan that supports their local team and doesn't just support Manchester United Liverpool deserves praise, especially when they've got a history of being in the lower leagues, like Argyle do, like Exeter, Exeter do. So I don't take it any further than that. But any fan that says they don't enjoy it, I've, well, there's something wrong with them in my view. <laughs> yes.
2: uh, yeah, I mean, the, the comment Ryan Lowe made last week was in front of a load of Argyle fans. You know, you, you're going to speak to the audience, aren't you? You know, um, so. We did ask him uh, after the game on Saturday. Um, you know, said to him that the fans were getting a bit frustrated, and he said, "Yeah, I understand that." And uh, he made the point that with Exeter doing well, um, you know, that probably didn't help. You know, because fans are sort of want to be up where Exeter are. Um, but uh, the the question, I suppose, isn't helping him. It's probably not helping him, in. and the fact that people are going to be saying to when they see him in the street, you know, come on, we need you to be doing better because that lot up the road are, are top of the table and it's, we're not. It's it's it's
0: kind, it's kind of like when Jose Mourinho went to Man United and you had the whole Pep Guardiola Man City
2: <laughs> thing going on. <laughs> 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 to I like to comparing. Team. I like Argalis oh <laughs> being compared to Man United, Man City, but. Well it's the second most uh
1: intense well, yes. rivalry, apparently. Apparently, so.
0: yes, yes. More so than the Manchester Derby. Obviously.
2: Well that was I would have thought that was obvious to anyone. Well, the problem the problem
1: is the world we live in, people can't just say stuff and that you say it to that room, the room heard it, the room mm. might say the people that were there mm. might say something else. It's all filmed now, it goes yeah. on social media, mm. extra fans get hold of it and mm. you know what it's like on social media, all fans can take things too far on social mm. media. He said it to the room, he got the response he wanted. Mm. I'm more disappointed that Argo aren't winning games more than the fact that Extra are. If argo can do what they should do or should be able to do. They will be up there with Exeter. It's only ten games in. <laughs> if it's still this way in, in May, I'll be I'll be much much angrier. So come and ask me again. Ask yeah. me again. Well, there's an it's, offer uh, for you, but... Yeah,
0: it certainly added a little bit of spice to the derby for, yeah. for October. That's for sure. Uh, let's get back to Argyle then oh. and their League form Mansfield on Saturday. Now you look at the league table and I, I can't believe where Mansfield are. You know. I've mind you I don't think they should have sacked Flitcroft I thought that was a crazy decision mm. probably some reason as to why they are where they are mm. play 10-1-2 drawn four lost four already yeah. this season which yeah. is uh, as I say surprising when you look at the likes of yeah. Jacob Mellis Nicky Maynard CJ Hamilton Danny Rose
2: it's not going to be easy for Argyle is it on Saturday it's it's baffling isn't it you know I think most people had Mansfield as one of, the, one of the top teams for this season and um, Along with Argyle, and, and
1: and Salford and Scumford. and still
2: yeah. still early days, but yeah, that's a surprising record, isn't it? If you'd said to most people that Mansfield would only win two of their first ten games, I think most people would be surprised. It, it, you would expect a response from them at some point. You'd expect them to improve, but I'd say the same thing about Argyle. Mm. You know, I would expect them to improve. You know, I hope they do. I'm expecting them to approve do I I 100% think they will do well not yet I'd like a bit more evidence from them to prove that they can defend crosses and they can score more goals but um, that's two teams even in September that are really looking for a a good win a good solid win that might just kickstart their season both teams and uh, uh, yeah it'd be an interesting game I hesitate to you know you feel like it'll be a tough game they all are, they all are yeah. aren't they? Yeah. You know, but let's be honest, how, how many games do you see in League Two? And we've all seen lots of League Two football, probably far too much League Two football <laughs> for our liking, haven't we? But Definitely. how many easy games do you see in League Two, you know, yeah. where you stroll off at the end and think, oh, that's a piece of cake? It doesn't happen, does no. it? No, no. It's a tough league. You What you get, you have to earn. It's a tough league with tough players. Mm. So, yeah, a... a, a a really interesting game, I think. That that's two teams with some talented players that haven't got the results that people are expecting from them, and I think whoever wins that game, that that could be they could really use that as yeah. a as a springboard to to, to go yeah. on. And
1: the opposite effect forever whoever loses that game, probably. Yeah, you know, it's. Oh, I just hope Maynard doesn't get the 90th minute winner that would be a big kick in the team, wouldn't it? yeah
0: well I mean in hindsight you know you look at someone like Nicky Maynard and you think you know perhaps if he had gone to Argyle mm. it well, yeah, it have made such a massive, massive difference He could be there? the missing
1: piece at the moment but you know is this, is this the last game of September coming up mm-hmm. yeah. thank God for that <laughs> yeah that is we'll just touch on it before
2: we finish but that is an incredible stat that Argyle since 2016 Argyll have played 16 league games in the league and they've won four, uh, drawn four, that was so we were thinking, drawn four, and lost twelve. I mean, uh, uh, that's an incredible stat. Isn't yeah. it? They've not won a league game since twenty sixteen, and that league game was a game where Orient had two players sent off in the first fourteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Need more red cards. <laughs> so um, anyway, so we we will be glad. Hopefully, Argyle can get rid of that horrible stat. Otherwise. Next a year, 2020, 2020 year, as yeah. well as a, applying for me to have the whole of September off on holidays, <laughs> Stu we'll be recycling this fact about Argyle not having one of September games? It's twenty six yeah,
1: but, but in all seriousness, it's a, it's a I think it's, you can already say it's a big game. I think a psycho- game. O- psychologically, a yeah. very big game. I
0: yeah. think it's got the potential to be a really good football game as well, actually. Because should be, as we a, say, you know, speak to some of the Mansfield players there. Yeah, yeah. Argyle have got their fair play of fair quota of uh, good football. There's going to be some well, decent so. flies on that pitch. So yeah, yeah you'd expect so. Absolutely. Right, well, Chris, safe journey on Saturday. Thank and we'll, you, um, Jack, thanks for joining us on the, on the podcast. Always a pleasure to have your company. <laughs> we'll be back again with more of the same next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at Herald PAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.